Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast from Compass Counseling that asks the question, we all have mental health, how's yours? I'm Justin Lewis. On this episode on workplace wellness is the topic of self-care. This is a term that's used pretty often, but not always practiced as it should be. More casually, it's something like treat yourself, (laughs) as made popular by the television show Parks and Recreation. Jill Terhune is a licensed therapist at Compass, and she is going to share her expertise about self-care and talk about what it is and some of what it isn't. Thanks for joining me, Jill. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, well, let's just start with a working definition of self-care. How would you define self-care? So I think a lot of times when people think of self-care, they think of um, going out and kind of getting their nails done or maybe going and get a massage or mm-hmm. something along those lines. But self-care is the practices that you put into place on a daily basis to make sure that your overall wellness is taken care of. So there's a lot of different facets of self-care. Um, those kinds of things may include like spiritual, emotional, social, physical, environmental, occupational, and financial. Um, We'll get into that a little bit more later. (laughs) All right. So it is more than just uh, every now and then having a day where you treat yourself. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Yes. Okay. All right. You talked about it being like a daily rhythm. Give me an example of what what somebody would do, an appropriate example of self-care in a daily rhythm. So, um, for example, if you're talking about your physical self-care, so that may mean sweating through another workout. Mm -hmm. It may mean um, changing up your diet in some way to make sure that you're eating nutritious foods as opposed to foods that maybe just make you feel good in the moment. Mm, Okay. All right. So healthy habits, uh, doing things that aren't necessarily just about having fun or Mm -hmm. indulgent, but making sure that you have that rhythm. Why is it important to have that sort of rhythm? Well, I think honestly that a lot of people know what self-care is. They know, they hear the different information about, you know, what it means to take care of yourself. But I think the question really comes down to a question of like self-worth. Um, like, am I worth taking care of? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of different um, kind of facets that go into that. And I truly believe that when you love yourself that every decision that you make after that is going to be a good one for you and for the people around you let's go a little deeper on that on how somebody would come to love themselves because it sounds like what you're saying is if somebody has this proper view of themselves they're naturally going to take the steps necessary for self-care yeah i think a lot of times um i will talk to people and they'll know what they need to do like maybe they've um they're really wanting to lose some weight and so they've got themselves to be able to lose the weight in the past, but um, something has happened recently where they, you know, feel like they're unable to kind of take those steps again, or you know, they know it makes them feel good when they get out of the house and they go and meet friends, mm-hmm. um, or you know, when they meet those spiritual needs like going to church and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, there's a mental block there, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of times it comes from, um, you know, like what's the point, um, yeah. you know. If I'm just doing this one thing, it's not going to really make that big of a difference. But a lot of times it's like water against stone that you have to continually do it until you see um, those results. And that's really hard if the inner critic inside of you is saying, (laughs) you know, it doesn't matter or you're not going to be able to do it. Right. I was I was going to ask you more about that. It seems like the path of least resistance, if you will, Mm -hmm. is to not participate in healthy habits for us but sometimes the way that i 
break that barrier is to say, I've never gone out, exercised, and regretted it. Exactly. And so, <laughs> and so that's why I like, but why do I have to, when I'm out there, I enjoy myself and I'm glad that I've done it. Like, why is that mental block there to begin with? Do you have any ideas on that? It's always difficult when you're first starting out something. It always seems longer than it's going to be. I mean, that's the same thing for like if you wanted to start journaling. Like mm-hmm. um, a lot of times people will say, well, I just don't know what to write or I don't know where to start. And the the biggest piece is really like kind of like Nike, like just do it. Like you just have to get in the mode of doing it. Yeah. Um, but again, that is more difficult. Like if you're not able to kind of cultivate a sense of self-worth, um, if that inner critic part of yourself is a lot louder than the, the inner compassionate part of yourself. Yeah. So are we just like inherently lazy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why, why is the natural go-to to not do it? Why do we have to tell ourselves to do it? you have any ideas on that? Hmm. I mean, I think it depends on the person. Like, yeah. And there's a lot of factors that go in there if you're like fatigued and you're tired and sure. those kinds of things. Yeah. Are we inherently lazy? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the brain is going to want to do the easiest thing that it can. It's kind of like whenever you're creating a new habit, it's almost like you already have this trail in the woods that you're going down. And when you create a new habit, you have to go off the the path and you have to cut down trees Mm. and weeds and hack through all of that stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, and then eventually like... It, the neural connections are there. They're like, oh, yeah, I know what this is like, and this mm-hmm. is easier, and then it just every time it becomes easier. So, yeah, you may have a hard time, like, getting up in the morning, but I'm sure for you it's much easier than somebody who's not in the habit of doing that. I would think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would think so. So how does somebody know if they are being successful in self-care? Like, if they're set out to say, I want to do a better job with self-care, how do they know if they're doing a good job? Well, it's really subjective in a lot of ways. So um, something that may be um, personally, like emotionally meaningful for me might not be the same way for someone else. And so Mm -hmm. I think that it's really a practice of self-awareness of, you know, really being able to kind of sit with yourself and um, reflect and just just say, like setting goals for yourself, like what is important to me? Um, And if you want to get back into those like different aspects of self-care, I think that that could be helpful as well. Um, so I brought up emotional. So emotional would be like, you know, maybe some people like to watch like cat videos online and that makes them <laughs> yeah. feel happy and gives them like a sense of well-being. But uh-huh. um, and of course, emotions always change. But, yeah. you know, kind of figuring out like what gives you pleasure, like what gives you joy, what makes you feel personally meaningful. Um, and and also so the social piece is really difficult for a lot of people you know if you Mm -hmm. have social anxiety but it's just like anything else it's exposure it's habitual like you know the more that you do it the easier that it gets and we all need and deserve other people and so Mm -hmm. um that's a really important piece as well and i think something that um people may forget about or maybe not include in self-care is like the financial piece you know Mm -hmm. making sure that you have a budget Mm -hmm. um you know that you're sticking to it you know that you're you know occupationally working a job that um feels meaningful for for you that Mm -hmm. you're fulfilled by um and then of course like the physical aspect is something that i think a lot of people talk about and then that spiritual piece Mm -hmm. so i mean the treat yourself um, kind of yeah. mantra may fit in there in a way. I mean, sure. every once in a while, like, you know, eat a 
piece of chocolate cake and get your nails done. Like if that's what yeah. you need. But, um, I think overall when we're talking about self care, it's really more about like the daily habits. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing you say it's more like having a, a peaceful state of mind with mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like if you've, if you've done a budget, then you, you kind of have this structure of knowing what you need to do. Um, and if you have habits of exercise, you kind of know, what you're going to do. And so self-care is about setting yourself up for as much as we can, um, rhythms that are predictable in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously life is not predictable, but as much as we can, you know. Yeah. So I think that's definitely a piece of it. Like we're creatures of habit and having something, um, that is predictable really helps with that peace of mind, but it's also about values. It's about kind of knowing like, what do I value in life? Mm-hmm. And like, are my behaviors, Uh, matching up with those values Mm -hmm. and I think like when when that happens when you have certain values and then you start to notice that your behaviors aren't matching up with those values like maybe you have a value of like a clean house but then every time you walk in you realize that there's it's not clean and it's (laughs) like well what am I doing that's you know not getting me to this outcome and I think for a lot of people um you know that causes a certain cognitive dissonance it causes Mm. a certain um know feeling of um you know i'm not really living my true self or you know what cognitive dissonance being i think one thing but i'm living another right right okay yeah Yeah. okay yeah that's good that's another state of mind is if you're living out what your ideals are right that's another piece of that Mm self-care i would think well, and I think that a lot of time, you know, there's the mantra of self-care isn't selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, for a lot of people, like especially if you have kids, it's like, well, now i got to put my kids first. Like I, I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. Mm. Like I don't have time to clean the house and make a budget and exercise and all these things. And that is totally fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like you can't really take care of other people in your life until you take care of yourself. And that's where I keep coming back to like, mm-hmm. you know, nobody is actually going to take care of you. Like once you get to be an adult, like you just, the reality is like, you have to just do yeah. it yourself. Right. Um, and I have an analogy that I use with people in therapy sometimes when it comes to individuals who focus too much on other people and not enough on themselves is I use the analogy about the, in the when you're on uh, an airplane, yeah. I'm sure you've heard this one or you may use it as well, but do, yeah. yeah, it's a classic. Um, but you know, when the flight attendant tells you if they lose cabin pressure, then the mask comes down and the instruction is to put on your own mask before you help anybody else, even if it's a child or older person. And when I first heard that, even myself, I was like, yeah, that rule doesn't apply to me. I would help somebody next to me. But then I realized kind of what you just said, if I'm not able to do what I need to do, I can't help anybody else. So that's an analogy that works for a lot of people, I think. It does. And it's so true. Like, mm-hmm. if you just, if you lean over and put the mask on your child, like, you're going to pass out. And what if the plane actually crashed? Like, <laughs> you know, there's, right. or, you know. Or if you don't have what it takes to put the mask on the child because you're struggling so much, right? True. Yeah. True. And that, you know, that's the same way on a daily basis. Like, if you aren't taking care of your, everything just dominoes. Like, if you're not taking care of your physical health, if you're not taking care of your emotional health, if you're not doing things that inspire you to take care of, like, your cognitive health and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's going to come off on the people around you. Like they're going to feel that and it, and it makes a difference for you and for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to make a difference from how we, uh, interact with people. So this may be a good time to transition. And you mentioned the workplace a little bit, but our, 
uh, our topic here is workplace wellness. Mm-hmm. So the importance of self-care as it transfers into the workplace. You, one thing you said about work is trying to find a job that provides meaning for you, but we go through different seasons of our life where that's not always possible for everyone, right? Yeah. Um, so in those moments, whenever you're struggling, what, how does self-care play into helping out with that? So I think that when we're talking about workplace wellness, um, you really have to build a culture of care. Um, so one thing that comes up a lot in the workplace is burnout. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's basically um, where you're working too long hours. Maybe you don't feel um, you know, validated at your work. You don't mm-hmm. feel valued. Um, maybe the compensation doesn't seem to match the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll, that can lead to, you know, feelings of resentment. Um, it can lead to what we were talking about before of like that lack of self-worth mm-hmm. um, to where it just doesn't, um, it doesn't become a priority to kind of take care of yourself because you're just going through the motions to kind of survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of things that um, people can, d- that, you know, organizations can do to kind of build that culture of care. Okay. Um, and so if you were to kind of imagine that there's like a little battery inside of you um, and that these certain things that we've talked about before, um, such as, you know, reading a good book or, you know, having really beautiful moments with your children, like noticing their smiles, like being present, mm-hmm. you know, e- eating healthy foods, those kinds of things recharge your battery. And literally getting enough sleep would be um, something that would recharge your battery. Right. Um, if for whatever reason, you know, throughout the day, like you just feel like things are being taken out of your um, store for those kinds of energy, then that can lead to, um, you know, just feeling like you're burnt out and you're done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, In our profession, we talk a lot about burnout because of the fact that we are in charge of in charge of helping so many people it's important for us to remember we have to also take care of ourselves so it's very uh, we're very acutely aware in our training and uh, continuing as we are professionals to take care of ourselves but not not everybody has the same sort of um, I don't know yeah I mean I think too like specifically when you're working with people um, and and in the work that that we do, you know, there's compassion fatigue to where, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's kind of a like a whole different ball game mm-hmm. in a way because that's when you're really taking on other people's um, other people's problems and internalizing those, and and then that's you know that leads to a conversation about boundaries, mm-hmm. um, and so I think you know in the workplace that's a really important thing to be able to. Um, to flush out like what are my boundaries like you know if a colleague is kind of processing things with me like where do i you know kind of put up those barriers internally mm. at least mm-hmm. um, and i think that's something that can happen in all different kinds of workplaces mm-hmm. yeah for sure mm-hmm. so one thing that i wanted to talk about that um is a r- super easy tool that um, a workplace could use to just start kind of um encouraging this culture of care is um 
the Move to End Violence um, campaign, they created a 21-day ta- challenge. It's a resource for individuals and organizations to practice self-care. Um, and basically how it works is that um, they send you an email every day, and then you can kind of send it out to your staff. And starting on day one, you'll receive daily prompts to help you become aware of the habits around self-care. So this may be like just notice how much water you're drinking today Mm. you know like keep a glass on your desk and try to refill it as much as possible and just kind of notice what that's like for you Mm -hmm. or you know the next day like try to connect with somebody in the office in a healthy way um and so i think that's one really kind of easy way to just start a conversation about like we care about your well well-being mm-hmm. um, as an organization and here are just some daily prompts that you can do to kind of take care of yourself mm-hmm. okay what would be an example of a healthy connection with a coworker? so it's kind of like how do you how could you help each other avoid burnout is the point of that question i guess so i think that um a lot of times there is a propensity to connect over negativity mm-hmm. um there's a way to you know you can go into each other's office and say like yeah like i really hate so and so or <laughs> you know this yeah. is really crappy in this way and like yes it does bring people together um really quickly because it's kind of a us against them yeah. um but over time like that just creates kind of a negative culture mm-hmm. in um in your workplace environment and so um you know being able to connect positively with coworkers may look like something like, Hey, how's it going today? Like, and just having a real conversation about like how that other person is doing and, mm-hmm. um, maybe even just doing something fun together. Like, you know, all going out to lunch, mm-hmm. um, you know, or sharing something in your life that, um, is kind of going on that maybe it feels good for you. Yeah. So talking about good parts of work is as well as just when things go bad or the negative pieces, because it is easy to just complain about different things at work and not <laughs> think about the good times or good things that happened. Mm-hmm. Like in our profession, it's easy to like, for me at least, to be negative about certain periods of, I don't know if I did a good job with that or that was a hard session or whatever, and to not want to talk about the positives because it feels like I'm being braggadocious or something like that. And so that probably transfers over to other professions as well. Mm-hmm. That you don't want to talk about the positives because you don't want to look like you're bragging about yourself or you've done something better than somebody. But it's important to be able to share those positive wins with each other, right? And I think, and then again, it kind of circles back to a sense of self-worth, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're feeling good about yourself, you know, like, a lot of times when people get a compliment, like, oh, you know, I really like your shirt, this old thing yeah it really leads to a chain of association of like okay what's all of the negative thoughts like how do i you know and and it's really difficult just to say like thank you yeah thank you yeah right um and i think again like how you feel about yourself a lot of times is how you kind of project to other people Mm -hmm. that's true it's easier to uh it's easier to connect with somebody that is good with themselves right Mm mm-hmm yeah, I agree with that. And it all, you know, it's building blocks of, of self-care, kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, do you mm-hmm. have all of those things in place? Like, you know, of course, like if if you don't have shelter, like if you don't have, you know, people, mm-hmm. you don't have a support system. Like if you don't have things in your life like that, you know, it, it's difficult to kind of 
mm. you know, do those higher level things like, you know. Yeah, good point. You can't spend a week off doing something, you know, if you're trying to figure out where your next meal's coming from. Yeah. So there's different levels of what self-care looks like for each person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. a good point. But the key is to recognize if it's giving you a certain peace of mind so that like the feeling that it should invoke is what how would you fill in the blank because so, it looks different for everybody but it should feel a certain feeling that is able to connect for everybody yeah like a prolonged state of like peace and confidence yeah um as opposed to like you know the feeling that you get after you like to down a whole box of Oreos. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that feels good while you're doing it. Like, in watching TV feels good, but then you'll, I mean, you'll likely notice over time that right. that doesn't feel so good. So just being kind of in tune with yourself. Mm-hmm. Recognizing that I'm going to be glad that I did this and it's healthy for me, even though there's some sort of mental barrier in the moment. Kind of like whatever I was saying earlier about I know I'm going to be glad that I rode my bike this morning and got up early and did it, but there's still something in me that wants to sleep in or not mm-hmm. put forth the effort. Or well, I know I, mean, I would rather come in the next day and tell my coworkers about something I read versus the show I watched, but it's so much easier to just flip on the TV than it is to open the book. Mm-hmm. So there's, you just have to be cognizant of, I guess for me at least, of I need to do this even though my initial instinct is to not... Well, it's interesting that you bring up um, coming in and talking to your coworkers about it because I think another piece is accountability. Like it helps so much to be able to kind of talk about it, and that's mm-hmm. why I really, I really like that twenty-one day challenge thing as well mm-hmm. for the workplace because um, you know everybody's getting the same email, and you're kind of well, how are you doing on today's challenge? And mm-hmm. really supporting each other because um, that's a big piece. Like feeling like. Um, there's somebody else out there that knows that you're like working on this um, yeah. and is kind of there to support you in that. Right. All right. So I like that 21. Now tell me again where people can find this 21 day. So if you go to the move to end violence.org, um, it's under the resources and then you just sign up with your email. Um, and yeah. Um, then it, it gives you some information about the 21 day challenge, but it's, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I say we institute the 21 day challenge at compass. What say you? Yeah, I totally agree. Right. I would love that. I think we're that would be a lot of fun. We're getting everybody to sign up after this. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. So, um, just to talk a little bit more about like work setting factors, like ways, um, to create lower risk for burnout and compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. It's really all about like creating resiliency. Um, you know, whether you're working with a client or whether you're, um, just trying to put in policies at your workplace, um, there's always going to be things that come up, like you said before. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's about being able to bounce back. It's about having enough um, fuel in your tank or energy in your battery. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that's really helpful is to have clear and consistent policies and procedures so that, you know, people know what the expectations are. Cause it's really difficult when you come into a workplace and you don't really know what you're going to get that day. So it's kind of yeah. like what you were talking about before about having that sense of stability, like, mm-hmm. um, and then it goes back to a sense of self-worth cause like control you, the things that you can control because there's going to be a lot of stuff that you can't. Right. Yeah. So if you know what the expectations 
expectations are, then it's easier to kind of meet those. And then that gives you a sense of confidence, which kind of has that domino effect where you feel like you're worth taking care of. And then Mm -hmm. um, you're able to kind of carve out, um, carve out that time. Um, And it, you know, fair and consistent application of rules for all employees. So those policies and procedures need to be the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it's really difficult if you see that some people being treated one way and then other people being treated another. Um, It really kind of creates, it's not creating a culture of care. It's creating a culture of, you know, favoritism. Yeah, competition. uh, Competition, mm -hmm. exactly, leading to that kind of negativity. Mm you know, of course, on a basic level, having like adequate resources so that people can meet those expectations. So if you're setting certain expectations, but then you're not providing the resources for your employees to meet those expectations, then, um, you know, it's mm. really difficult for employees to feel good about themselves and to continue to, um, you know, remain well. Right. Yeah. It's like, I want everybody here to be, have a positive attitude, but I'm not going to treat you in a way that's going <laughs> to create a positive environment. It's mm. mixed message there, right? Or that cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Right? Expect people to have a positive attitude, but then all the nuts and bolts of the workplace lead to negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when you feel bad about yourself, it's really, really difficult to take care of yourself. Mm. Um, and so kind of on that same vein, really creating a culture where errors are seen more as like an opportunity to learn as opposed to, you know, this kind of punitive outlook on, um, on making errors, mm-hmm. um, giving recognition when employees, um, do something that's positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you just help helping them to feel valued. Um, and then on, you know, another level, just making sure that workers feel safe. So mm-hmm. just making sure that those conditions are safe in the workplace, like all of those kind of basic things that help mm-hmm. people feel, um, taken care of. What, uh, what is the first thing a person can do if they were going to improve their self-care? If they heard this and they thought, wow, I really need to get my self-care in order, but this seems daunting for me to change all these aspects of my life. So, yes, it does seem very daunting to when you sit down and you're like, oh, I just want to change all of these things. And that's when the inner critic comes out and says, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but just take it one step at a time. Just choose one small goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you're to, going to clean your house, like you just start with one room, mm-hmm. you clean that room, and eventually, like over time, like the whole house is clean. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I I know I keep harping on this, but just coming back to that compassionate part of yourself, like, you know, talking about like errors as being seen as an opportunity for, to learn, like really kind of incorporating that for yourself. A lot of times it's so much easier to be compassionate towards other people like, oh, well, I understand, you know, how it was difficult for you to get up and kind of do that bike ride this morning. But it's like for yourself, it's like, oh, well, I'm so lazy. Like (laughs) there's something wrong with me, you know, and, and if you're kind of, the more negative the, like thoughts that you have, like, you know, it's kind of like the law of attraction. The more that you think about those things, the more likely it's going to be that way. Like if mm-hmm. you tell yourself you're lazy, like if you tell yourself, like I can't mm-hmm. do it, then you're right. Right. Yeah. You're going to self-fulfilling prophecy there. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. So this may sound kind of hokey, but I am, um, a big proponent of doing affirmations so um it is kind of that fake it till you make it piece or that just do it that we talked a little bit about before but Mm -hmm. um you know really kind of 
you know, when you notice a negative thought come up, I mean, that's the first piece of like just noticing what the inner mm-hmm. critic sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, but then maybe replacing that with a different thought. So, you know, if you have the thought, like I'm so lazy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm just not worth this, then maybe replacing that with a thought of like, okay, like this is hard work. And, you know, I'm proud of myself for attempting to, to think about this in a different way and understanding how hard that's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. that it is possible. I mean, the the brain is plastic. It changes over time. And we have the power to really do that. And that's really encouraging in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. You know, that our habits and those kinds of things, they aren't just hardwired after we turn a certain age. Like, we have the ability to really um, change how we think and perceive things. And it's always helpful to look back and see, because it's hard to notice that we've made positive change over time. But if we can look back and be like, well, I wasn't doing this type of self-care at all three months ago, and now I'm here, and okay, so I missed one day, but look at all this progress that I've made. Okay. It's another positive way to, to handle that and keep ourselves going, mm-hmm. keep that momentum going. Mm-hmm. You got any, Do you have anything else that you uh, really think is important to share? So I think something that we didn't talk about much in the workplace, and we talked about communication like with your coworkers. We talked about like, you know, encouraging like a culture of positivity and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, but we didn't really talk about communication about policies or maybe communication with leadership mm. um, and how important that is, mm. um, that the communication is open so that issues can be dealt with. Um, I think a lot of times if... There, if there isn't open communication, then there can be things that maybe fester underneath the surface, and yeah. that can that can really cause a lot of problems, like with the organization and with the individuals that work there. So, um, when the issues occur, that they're raised, and that there's um, you know a sense of um, trust hmm. with the individuals that you're working with, and I think that sense of trust has to come from you know clear and consistent policies, but and not having surprises that occur mm-hmm. um and maybe even that peer support is built into the organizational structure so um having different ways for coworkers to connect with each other in positive ways um and that reflective practice is a standard practice for the organization so that that open communication is really um encouraged by asking people you know how are you doing you know mm-hmm. what could we be doing better maybe even like sending out a sur- anonymous survey or something along those lines yeah um, and then just having the open door policy when it comes to issues mm-hmm. um, of course there's boundaries there of course um, yeah. but yeah, in general i think open communication is um going to lead to better self-care yeah for the employees yeah, for sure All right, so if we're going to summarize self-care down into uh, a brief take-home for somebody, I would say so far we've said that self-care is kind of equivalent to self-worth in a way. Mm -hmm. It's all about finding your self-worth, and if you see yourself as worthwhile, then you're going to be somebody that wants to take care of themselves. And it's not just getting your nails done or um, taking the day off to go shopping or whatever, something like that. But it's putting these positive rhythms in your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that includes chores, so to speak, and uh, making sure that our fitness is up to par and our 
eating habits are appropriate and mm-hmm. and those sort of things. So it's it's more than treat, treating yourself. It's putting positive rhythms in our life. Is that what you would say? Yes, and self-care is not selfish. <laughs> self-care is not selfish. It's important for ourselves and for other people mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jill. I appreciate your insights and your passion on self-care. You definitely are someone who um, wants to see that with with other people. And just from what I know about you, seem to include a lot of healthy self-care in your life. So thank you. kudos to you for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. So this has been an episode of Mapping Healthy Minds. Just as a reminder, though, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional counseling, which we probably should have mentioned even more as a term of self-care, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Going to a therapist and being able to work out some of these things that are going on is definitely self-care. We have a biased opinion on that, but (laughs) still I think that um, talking to a therapist is an important way to build that self-worth, like you were saying, and see ourselves and learn how to take hold of those thoughts kind of like what you were saying, and change those thinking patterns. But this is not a substitute for professional counseling. We do have the opportunity for personalized therapy here, and you can contact us through our website. We offer both face-to-face and telehealth at this time. So all the information about all that can be found at compasspaducah.com. And this is one part of our series about workplace wellness. We will have more to come. Mapping Healthy Minds is recorded in the Compass Building on 2204 Kentucky Avenue, hosted and produced by me, Justin Lewis, and made possible by Compass Counseling. Theme music is by Daniel Niehoff. We all have mental health. How's yours?